If your intention to frame your work as iterations, ever-evolving, ever-improving, ever-expanding, if that is your intention, I'm going to promise you and anyone who's listening, life and work simply gets easier. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 279 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Angela Moon into the show. Angela empowers visionary leaders at financial brands to take an evolving story of vision, of passion, of energy, and most importantly, empathy to lead and guide internal teams as well as external customers and members beyond old ways of thinking, old ways of doing, to create an even bigger, better, and brighter future. Welcome to the show, Angela. It is good to share time with you today. Thank you so much. It's really quite a privilege. I, I love it. Before we get into talking about the importance of story, of narrative, and most importantly, the human connection in the age of AI. What has been going well for you? What is positive for you personally or professionally? It is always your pick to get started. I am mindful to live a life of appreciation. So when I look at my life holistically, I just feel a general sense of appreciation of so many things. So really nearly everything is going well. I have like everyone else, I get up and I have the bumps and the bruises and the oops and the, oh, darn, you know, I mean, I have all of that. I had a um, past week, someone decided to mess with the engine in my brand new vehicle. A, a little animal decided to make a home because <laughs> it seemed warmer in there than it did outside. Can't say I blame him, um, but it didn't make life so easy for me. It's in our reaction to those things. And we've talked about this, we've touched on this before, and and that's a lot for um, the clients that we both work with as well. It's rooted in how we frame our attitude and our daily practice in Mm. reacting and working with a particular situation or team um, that really colors the quality of our life and the work that we do in the world. It's a great point. You know, when you think about this idea of framing, one of the things that I'm writing about in my second book that will be released later this year, Banking on Change, is perspective. Because perspective is the sum of context and framing, but as the world continues to accelerate at what feels like to be an exponential pace, I think we need to not just have perspective, but but more importantly, exponential perspective, which is still the sum of context and framing, but then exponentially multiplied by reframing experiences to gain lessons from them that we can apply 
on the next iteration to do even better going forward. What's your take on this? Because you're talking about reacting versus responding and what role does that just framing, but I think even more deeply reframing have in a world of AI. I actually did a whole uh, segment on this, a video on this of reframing. I do a something that's called word of the week because I believe that words have immense power and they frame how you see a particular mm. moment or situation or again, the quality of your day, your life, your work, your partner, your relationships, it frames everything at words do. It's the stories you're telling yourself and to others. Yeah. And you, you said a word iteration, James, and I think that that is, I was just having this conversation with my daughter who's turning 23. So she's, she's part of that generation that graduated high school, got to college and started experiencing COVID, you know, and, and all of the yep. fallout from all of that. Um, it's a unique generation. It's a unique perspective, as you say. And I have to stay mindful that her perspective is very different from mine. I think as parents, Absolutely. our inclination, or as bosses, by the way, or, or leaders, et cetera, in a workplace, our inclination is to assume that someone else's perspective is the same as ours, where their life experiences are so completely unique and different. Um, there are things that bind us, certainly, and patterns, but each perspective is quite unique, really. Um, I think iterations are important because you couldn't possibly have every move on the chessboard figured out. But if your intention to frame your work as iterations, ever evolving, ever improving, ever expanding. If that is your intention, I'm going to promise you and anyone who's listening, life and work simply gets easier. Well, I think you've, you've touched on a couple of things here. When you think about the speed of change, changes in the air, it's been in the air since particularly, I would say, November 30th, 2022, which was, you know, chat GPT, we'll say AI kind of reached the mass consciousness of humanity. It's almost like, you know, 1994 all over again uh, with the rise of the internet. And come back to your daughter in perspective for just a bit. I, I am now asking when I facilitate conversations, and it might not be the appropriate question, but it's a fun one that we all laugh. Like, well, how old is everyone in the room right now? Because we're going to use that as 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 context to frame this conversation to gain some perspectives. Because I think now we have people who were you know in leadership positions that were born pre you know, 1994, like I was 1981, you have some who were born around that time period. And then you still have other up and coming leaders who are now were born after that. So they're all thinking about the world differently, but now as we're moving into this age of AI, quote unquote, I think we're going to see an acceleration of change, of transformation. And change can be hard. It can be scary. It can, can be painful. It can be exhausting. But I want to get your take on this because you're talking about mindset here. What, what, what can leaders do to, I think most importantly, gain clarity because it's through clarity one can calm things down um, in an other, otherwise what feels like to be a, a time of never-ending uncertainty? Yeah. You know, there was an operative word there that you said that I'd, I would love to suggest that that's a word we could together we could evolve, um, particularly for for our banks, and that is do. 
And I encourage when I have a conversation, each and every time I start a conversation with a bank CEO, president, senior vice president, whoever may be on the call, I just led a weekend-long workshop recently in upstate New York, um, and we began with exercises that had nothing to do with doing. Mm. Uh, and I think because our inclination is that if we do and we do more, that we're more effective, that doing right. equals effectiveness. And what I encourage is, is to think about being how do you want to be in the world? And do, how do you want the customer experience to be? And being is really feeling, is what it is. It's feeling into where you're at um, and what you want to experience. And so I would say there's always chaos before clarity, always. That's a universal law. So the chaos that we're all feeling, the exhaustion that we're feeling, is a natural outcome of chaos. Um, mm. And so what I get excited about, here's this reframing, right? And I can't help but do it. <laughs> um, what I get excited about is the clarity that's coming. Mm. It's iterations. It's coming. And we talked earlier, James, about trust. So how do you cultivate trust in a bank? Well, our bankers are doing it every day as it relates to their customers. They're investing in relationships and building on that trust, deepening that trust. So trust, how do you do that within your teams? And it's the same thing, but it does require a little bit different lexicon and a different, a little bit of a nuance, a shift in mindset around being, yeah. setting intentions of how you want to be and how you want to feel. And once you do, then the doing gets easier too. As you're talking through that, I think about something that Chuck Allen, uh, host of the Cool Change podcast, recently posted. And, you know, he mentioned we make these to-do lists. <laughs> and um, they are helpful, by the way. They can be very helpful in getting them off your chest, right? And onto the page. But one of the things that Chuck recommended was let's create a to be mm, list. Who do we want to be? Who do we want to be as an individual? Who do we want to be as a leader? Who do we want to be as a team? Who do we want to be as an organization, as a partner, as a spouse, as a parent? I, I, I think that's a very you know, challenging question that we don't take time. And I think the key is, is we, we must break free from the doing to review what we've done, to reflect on that experience, to learn, and then think about that to be going forward. And, you know, we can go very like eccentric and ethereal here. So why is it so hard for leaders, particularly, I think in financial brand leaders, but, and, and you come from other verticals too, you have perspective why is it so hard for leaders to pause? And and and, and we build this into our digital growth university methodology that we're we're almost forcing 
that pause to gain perspective from the past because you can only gain perspective by looking at where you've been, not necessarily at where you're going, but that perspective does help provide a path forward beyond the present moment. So where do you see the challenge with the pause, if you will? I think it's, I think it's so baked into us and into our culture around the doing, back to the doing. Mm. Um, I, I did a, a show on this too. We feel like if something's not hard, and we're not stacked up. It's just muscle memory. It's old muscle memory. Right. Right. It's old story. We feel like if we're not doing and we're not stacked up and we're not busy, then we're lazy. We're not focused. We're um, slacking. We're not motivated enough. You know, there's this shame that's been built into rest. It's a cultural mm. thing, um, and then it's and it's ever present and ever prevalent in the workplace because of efficiencies, right? It's all to do with, you know, if you want to be effective, you have to be efficient, and efficiency means get as much work pumped out in the nine to five framework as you possibly can, wear as many hats as you possibly can, right. and that's a hallmark of being effective. It's a hallmark of great leadership if I don't get home until nine o'clock at night. That's a hallmark. So it's a baked in Mm. thing into our society, but people are opting out of that. The great resignation, the great reinvention, they're opting out. There's an awakening happening. Remember I said the clarity out of the chaos? There is an awakening. People want to understand where people have disappeared to. They've disappeared into themselves. Now, not all of that has been productive, but you're going to have that. But you've got people realizing for the first time that they may wish to be entrepreneurs, that maybe they do have the goods to get that done. Um, Maybe they would like to be that teacher that they never thought or took the time to be before. So it's creating the pause, creating presence in your life is ultimately a discipline like everything else. It's a ritual, really. I mean, why do people have a hard time remembering to drink enough water? Some people go until 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then they go, and I've done it before myself. Oh, my goodness, I haven't eaten today. <laughs> mm. Right? So creating that ritual of pause and reflection and presence is it's making it conscious first in your life that it's even a priority and, that w- and, and, and an understanding and a respect for what it can lead to for your life. If you're not open to accepting that presence and mindfulness will bring you greater peace and ease and joy and all of those around you, family and work family included, if you're not open to that, well, then you're not awake yet. And that's okay. Just like people feel stressed about money, we understand digital growth can also feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. But it doesn't have to feel this way for you because you can join the Digital Growth University to gain clarity through education, to overcome the fear of the unknown. Build your team's courage with a growth strategy to eliminate the fear of change and increase your confidence with coaching to remove the fear of failure. Visit digitalgrowth.com university to apply. I like the framing of this, a ritual of reflection. I think about Keith Costello, who is the CEO of Locality Bank, and he's been a guest on the podcast, and he he he's talked about his his meditation practice um, and his and how important that is as a leader to to pause and 
I think very closely aligned with this idea of a ritual of reflection is story. And I want to get your take on this because I think we, particularly as leaders, we attach ourselves to what we do, but we're more than what we, we do. We're also, like you said, we're, we're not human doers, we're human, uh, we're human beings. And when, when you think about story and narrative, particularly in the age of AI, why might this be an important skill set, an important capability for a leader to build, to build around story, to build around narrative? Because just like what I was just talking about in our DNA, story is baked into our DNA. It's part of who we are. And, you know, we can talk science. There's an artistic side to this, but the scientific side of this, and this is Harvard Business Review, um, McKinsey and Company, Time Magazine. It was on the cover of Time Magazine. That the story we tell ourselves matters. Yeah. It's the root of who we are. Are you the hero of your own story? Do you understand and appreciate the archetypes available to you? If you want, if you want to be able to change and stay on pace with change, do you understand your own archetype? Do you understand where you're at on that archetypal wheel? And once you do, it's not that it can't evolve, and it's not that you can't be more than one, but there is a, a dominant, typically dominant archetype. Once you understand that, then you can understand how to begin to frame the story you want to tell yourself right. first. <laughs> and then, you know, bankers, CEOs will say, oh, people, I just can't get them to change. Well, let's take a look in the mirror. And how, what's your inclination towards change? Because often you'll find that leadership team, the stories they're telling themselves and each other, that's the, that the, the their employees and their customers are simply mirroring that back it's to modeling. them. modeling, yeah, absolutely. They're just modeling. So uh, that's where we begin is, is really at the core of who that, again, back to the being part of all of this. Who do you really want to be? What do you want? to how do you want the world to see you and then understanding that words have power and they help shape your own perceptions as well as those around you what words are you choosing to describe your day and who you are and the purpose of your bank why you're there particularly community banks and credit uh, credit unions um, you serve a very different deeper purpose then even you may realize. I would agree. Yes, I know you the Community Reinvestment Act, and you're a part of the community, and you're a steward of the community. You're more than that. You are an oasis, particularly today. Yes. How do you share that story? Do you really understand it for yourself first? And then once you understand it and make a promise to yourself, um, then that promise can vary with integrity, can be made to your employees and then to your customers or clients or patients. I work with, uh, as I said, as you pointed out, I work with, with other industries, which really give me an interesting perspective of the patterns from industry to industry and then the things that are distinctly different from 
you mentioned patterns and patterns can can be packaged up back to your point as archetypes and i want to pause here just for a bit because when we talk about story and we talk about narrative particularly within the context of financial services banks and credit unions i would think even more specifically i i find it a tough subject for some some leaders they're very smart they're very analytical they're they're left brain driven leaders but stories on the other hand are more emotive in nature and so i want to pause here to help the dear listener maybe gain some clarity maybe provide them with another perspective what is a common misconception that financial brand leaders might have around story and narrative that limits their own future growth potential and as a result limits the future growth potential of their organization, of their teams within, and then as a result of that, of their organization. You know, many of the bankers I work with, this is what they've, you know, they've devoted their lives yeah. work to this, right? And they're very good at it. Um, well, you know, it's tough to master everything. You know, if you're really, really good at this, that that's where they should be. They should be doing that because they're good at it. it. It They've impacted a lot of lives as a result of being good at it. And by it, I mean the analytics yeah. and the data, etc. cetera. Um, I think there are two things that go into this. It's not a simple answer. The first is because... As leaders, if they've been super effective, and I have fallen victim to this myself, is that they feel like they can get it all done themselves. Mm. Well, there's an expectation that I need to know. If I'm a CEO or a president, or I don't want anybody else to know that I don't know. Right. <laughs> right? So there's an ego aspect of it. Um, and then sometimes the, the other part of this is that if you don't understand something, you tend to discount it. You know, if it's not in your wheelhouse, right. if it's not something that you do every day, and certainly are a master of, I'm going to stick to what I know. Yeah. And there's a natural tendency, human tendency, to discount the things that as unimportant because we don't understand them. What is your true north then? A number? Your true north is a number? Your why is a number? Okay, well, if your why is a number you're probably at a big, big bank. Right. Right? But for most of the people that I work with, um, they chose to be a part of a community bank. Oftentimes, they left a large, large bank environment, corporate environment because they wanted something more for their soul. They felt that their why was bigger. They might not have been able to articulate it, James, but they felt that their why was bigger than a number. That doesn't mean they landed a community bank that has it all figured out. Uh, you're going down a very interesting path here because as we continue down this journey in the age of AI, what role and importance, particularly at a community financial brand level, do you see the integration of technology and humanity? Does humanity, is it even more important to to provide that human connection in the age of AI as a community financial brand. This is something uh, Gabe Krajic and I from Kasasa, we we were talking about recently on the podcast because he sees that this is a competitive advantage for community organizations 
that are built around people, but it must start within. Transformation begins within the leader, then the team, then the organization, and then exceeds out into the lives of the people in the communities that that organization's. And it's all about connecting human beings together, right? The resources being devoted to technology, uh, because they were so technology starved, they were, you know, many of them were kind of living in a an old story right. and not embracing and becoming conscious about the fact that the importance that technology would play. And let's face it, we had really 36 months to adapt, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, you know, 30 years of learning a particular thing in a particular way. I look at the reviews that my banks get, online reviews, and they've done a darn good job of cultivating human connections and relationships. Yep. What I am cautioning them about is as they work to get up to speed on technology, does it have to be at the cost of human connection? Absolutely. Right? So um, we can look at that in so many different things in the world of saying, yes, when something rises up, does someone else have to become smaller in order to, I I always make a, a lighthearted joke. I think everyone should be able to fly first class. I mean, does does something have to suffer in order to make something else better? I don't think so. In this case, some things that are antiquated and just should go, you know, like the horse-drawn wagon, <laughs> the Pony Express, you know, when other things that when other things like the train or the automobile come along. I mean, innovation is one thing, but when we're talking about human beings, I'm and human connection, I'm not ready to give that up. I don't think most people are. Um, And so when I look at, I read those online reviews and I see the expression and the love and the trust and the joy. Um, I had one family that um, left a review for one of my banks where a one particular branch manager took it upon herself to make this a mission for her. They were a client of the bank and the just before Christmas, their home burned mm. to the ground. They lost everything. Now, I've had I had a home fire when I was a young child, and I know what that's like. Um, the loss of every material thing you possibly could have. It's immense. Now couple that with the holidays, and you can imagine the families, the family was just languishing. I mean, it was... They worked with this family. They got them gifts, clothing, food. Um, They worked through their constituents, their other customers to do this and through employees at the bank to do this and then worked with them on a special mortgage and held their hand all the way in the building of a new home. Now, robots not going to do that. It's not going to go out and raise money for a family's home that just burned down is not going to understand that what's beyond the paper there of what their assets are and that these are human beings that have been tossed about in the wind you know robot can't do that as you're talking through this narrative the story stories are what bind and connect people together i'm following and this is one of the reasons i think in the age of ai a formulaic approach so i wrote about DX plus HX equals growth in banking on digital growth. So a digital experience plus a human experience equals growth. I was wrong. In banking on change, I'm rewriting that to where EX plus HX in parentheses 
is now multiplied by DX. So a positive employee experience leads to a positive human experience that can then be exponentially multiplied through a positive digital experience. But but all transformation, once again, begins within. It starts with the self, then the team, then the organization, and that spills over into the communities that we serve. Now, now this comes back to stories. And, and you've mentioned this a few times. And as we start to wrap up, I, I, I want to go down this path because stories... Stories are told through words. Words have power. Words have the power to create. Words have the power to destroy. Words have the power to build up. Words have the power to tear down. And and there's a book that you recommended to me a while back that really helped to clarify my thinking around this subject that I'll... I'll say is rooted in ancient wisdom. Um, it's a book, uh, it's, it's titled The Complete Works of Florence Scovel Shin, and some of her writing was done over 100 years ago now, and much of what she writes about is around the power of words. Now, I, I'm going to be very mindful here, and I get that some of the listeners listening right now might think that we're going down a path of woo-woo, so I'm <laughs> going to invite you to stay with us um, and and. Yeah, stay on this path because there's a payoff. And let's and let's and let's blaze some new trails together here and maybe just, you know, let's approach this just with an open heart, with an open mind because if we were having this conversation a decade ago, I would have called BS on this. But but yeah. now I'm I'm like, okay, I'm I'm I, I I'm open to this and I'm I'm and I've been doing a lot of reading and exploring on on this this subject of words and words have power. So I want to get your take on this because like I said, stories are made up of words. The stories we tell ourselves, the stories we tell to our teams, the stories we tell to our account holders. Why is it important to be mindful of the words that not just what we what we speak, but I think even more importantly, what we think, and that is the stories that we tell ourselves. Where, where do words play in all of this? Well, many of your listeners may have read Napoleon Hill and been familiar. They can with grow Napoleon rich. Hill. Yep. Yes. So the w- words, everything that we experience from the vehicle that we drive, the engine we feel in the vehicle that's driving the vehicle along. Imagine that the words and the thoughts, because words are an outward expression of the thoughts that we're thinking, that first the thought and then the word um, are the engine in our brains that help us recognize an opportunity, prepare ourselves in a way that's empowering. Words connect us with other people and tell people instantly. I mean, we've all heard the elevator pitch to have your elevator pitch put together. Right. Why is that important? Attention span, perhaps? Uh, clarity? Call to action? You know, if you want to get super left-brained, on why words matter. I could go on all day just from a left-brained perspective of why they matter. From a right-brained perspective of why they matter is because they create our perceptions of everything Mm. in our lives. You've heard the old adage of where Someone could be a janitor at a bank and be the happiest man alive. He can also be the richest. Mm. 
he could consider himself the wealthiest man on planet Earth. Not because the size of his bank account, but because of the story he tells himself. And at the end of the day, would you rather be happy <laughs> over analytically correct? Mm. And analytically correct all day long is just that. It's analytically correct. It's not happy. There's a difference. And I think recognizing that, do you want, and, and here's the other piece of this. I don't know that there's anyone on this podcast that would, that would disagree with the fact that happier employees and happier customers equals better business. I always like to send the dear listener forward with something very practical that they can do at their own financial brand, at their bank, at their credit union, at their fintech, when it comes to applying what we've been discussing here today so that they can move forward and make progress on their own journey of growth. Something small, something simple. What would be one thing that you would recommend for them to do next to apply the power of story, of narrative, of even just the word, uh, as we were, we're wrapping up here, what's one thing that they can do to, to move forward and make progress? I think that they can ask themselves what they want to be. Hmm. How do you want the world to see you? And then from there, define that archetype and put it through a litmus test. You know, if you say, it's just don't do the whole day. It might be too hard to do the whole day. <laughs> um, but just start with your morning ritual so who do I want to be today hmm. I don't want to feel um, and pause and reflect and take note of the feelings you want to feel that day that's such a great point this did not come not if we were having this conversation a decade ago work with intention with practice with commitment with accountability it can and I want to go back to the point that you're making your recommendation Episode 147 with Keith Costello. I mean, CEO, you know, he's, he's founded three community banks. He's now working with, he, he started up locality. He talks about this experience. And I think, I think, and even with my own personal experience, I was inspired. You talked about inspiration before. I got the breath, if you will, from like the super conscious mind download to write banking on digital growth. When? Not when I'm busy, not when I'm doing things, but when I'm just quiet and listening. I got the same thing. I got the download on a run on vacation to write banking on change. So like there's a lot of of practical application. Yes. All right, so let's give it. Let's give a fast, quick exercise anyone could do tonight before they put their head on their pillow. Let's okay? do it. So you have a you have a problem you need to solve. You got a quandary about something. Maybe it's an employee. Um, it's an issue with your CFO. Maybe it's your wife or significant other. Um, you have a problem. You're banging your head against the wall because you can't figure this out. You can't get clarity on this thing, whatever it may be. So when you get ready to go to sleep tonight, get quiet, take 30 seconds. And you put your eyes up into what we would call construct, which is straight up. It's accessing a particular part of the brain. Now this is scientifically based. This is not right. <laughs> so this is, yes, it's neurolinguistic. You 
put your eyes up into construct, and you ask yourself the question, what is it that is going to solve this particular, and that's it. And you go to sleep, and it may not, your brain will immediately go to work. It might not happen tomorrow. It might take one other trigger. It's hard to know the complexity of the question, but it won't be long. And you'll have, something will come in because the brain is at work. They're trying to figure, the, you've got the answers. You, you, you know what the answer is. You're just in your own way. Yeah. So that's one aspect where when I'm talking with a banker, I'll say, well, what is really the problem? Because they've got a litany, right? What is the problem? And then sleep on it tonight. I mean, there's, there's a reason that phrase, phrase exists, sleep on it. That's right. right. But you just, you got it. There's a, there, there are some neuro-linguistic components you have to weave into that. That is put your eyes into construct, ask yourself an open-ended question, and then go to sleep. Let it go and go to sleep. So for the dear listener, I will tell you, I actually apply this type of thinking myself. And I have been awoken in, in, literally in the middle of the night, 2.30 uh-huh, right? in the morning. I get a pen, paper, I write it down, I go back to sleep, and then there it is. And there's even, you know, stories of Nicole, N- N- Nikola Tesla, uh, you know, getting some of this like late night, middle of the night inspirational thinking. So... Some of my best brand promises that I've developed for clients have come at 2 or 2.30 in the morning to the point where like if I come up with a new thought or idea, the, the, the question back to me from, from the CEO or the you got that at, did you get that at 2 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Uh, because they know. So yes, it's, that's one aspect that, and it's where you start to build your story from. That's where your clarity comes from. Learning how to pause, learning how to get yourself out of the way, reflect. And if you can't do it consciously starting out, do it unconsciously. Do it when you go to sleep. That's exactly right. That would right. be the first step. Yeah. Angela, what a, what a great way to wrap up such a wonderful, beautiful conversation. I thank you for joining me. If someone wants to continue the discussion that we started here today, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and say hello? My website is my name. Angela, and then it's like moon in the sky, M-O-O-N-A-N.com, AngelaMoonin.com. My email is bloom at AngelaMoonin.com, bloom like the flower at AngelaMoonin.com. And I would welcome, I would welcome further conversation about any of the aspects, storytelling, customer and client happiness, employee happiness, et cetera. Connect with Angela, learn with Angela, Grow with Angela, and I'm going to say it, bloom. Bloom, bloom with That's right. That's bloom right. with Angela. Angela, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun today. All the best to you. Thank you again. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.